0: Hey everyone, welcome back to The Reluctant Cruise, a One Piece rewatch podcast. My name is Brian, I'm one of your hosts, and with me is Steve. Hey
1: everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to The Cruise.
0: And Slash.
2: That's what he did. He slashed the boat in half. Now keep going.
0: We'll get there. Big sword. It's been a few weeks since you we recorded. There's a giant fucking sword. Kind of puts Cloud to shame a little bit. Huge. Got a lot of movement done behind the scenes for the podcast, so that's a cool thing. This week I learned that an 8 year old man that we know was – actually technically he's putting out his podcast tomorrow. So I need to figure out how to <laughs> do all this stuff in the next hour or two after we record. So uh, see if we can beat him because if he somehow puts it out before we do, I will probably quit wow. even though we already have, if you think about it, eight and a half episodes recorded.
2: I will say I've resisted every urge to make jokes about this because all joking aside brian has done a good job of trying to put everything together behind the scenes so thank you yeah but it's pretty phenomenal in the one bubble of let's make a joke hurry the fuck up so he doesn't beat us
0: <laughs> we'll see we have a few hours man he's you asleep can tell me if this anyway is... keep going sorry but he's not the one putting out the podcast which is cheating because he's working with like an actual industry professional radio person. Man, no one owns a radio. Just, just radio. my opinion. Anyway, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, if you consider this an understatement or an overstatement. I could be exaggerating. But 2020 seems like a bad year.
1: <laughs> That's an understatement.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I could be worse. Okay. In all honesty, though, with that as a segue, it is a bad year. But the progress that we've made over the last week, just getting this done for the podcast, is just like a small beam of light peeking through the darkness that is 2020. And you know, just Definitely. maybe we can do something.
2: Like we can't freestyle over a Super Metroid mm-hmm. backtrack, but not everyone is t pain either. Mm-hmm. So we're doing our best.
0: Yeah. Not everyone is T-Pain yet. I believe that it is somewhere later in One Piece. Don't tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know,
2: actually. I need to get back on that. Anyway. Also, T-Pain's only 34. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? No, I'm just kidding. You're all great. We're all great. Keep going.
0: Yeah, just that little message I wanted to say. That beam of positivity. If you actually happen to hear this, it means that we did not quit or... More specifically, I didn't quit uploading these episodes from the depression of being beaten by an eight-year-old man. Yeah. You guys want to get on with the episodes then? Hell yeah. Let's get on with this
1: cruise,
0: brother. Take it away, Steve.
1: So here we go. You guys last remember, we are on episode 22, The Strongest Pirate Fleet, Commodore Don Krieg. So here we are. We're back on the Baratie, or the Bratier, however you want to pronounce it. That boat that's a restaurant in the middle of the ocean. So you see Sanji is still working in the kitchen. Luffy's still working in the kitchen as a chore boy, kind of just doing their own things and whatnot. The head chef is like badgering Sanji. He's like, Sanji, leave with Luffy. Go be a pirate. You can become a pirate. It's It's cool. All the young kids are doing it. It's lit. As the kids say, he's just kind of like, eh, pushing his buttons and stuff like that. And you can become a pirate and all that good stuff. Anyways, he kind of just puts it off. He's like, nah, I'm going to work at the Barati the rest of my life. In the Straw Hat's journeys right now, the crew's been at the Barati for about a couple of days now, maybe a few days, because right now Luffy's just stuck there doing dishes and and whatever he can in his life of servitude to the baratier. And so they're just, like, dinking around, basically. I mean, Nami's getting all these free meals because Sanji's, like, in love with her. Capital L. Love. But we come back to everything's normal and brawny, and they're like, oh. Luffy well, stares at something in the distance. And it's something that really kind of caught his eye, or maybe he just knows. Who the hell knows? Commodore Don Krieg has arrived. Let me give give you some visuals about this. So right now, imagine this ship. And when I say ship, I mean it's a beast of a ship. Holy shit, that's a ship. Like, it kind of reminds me of uh, Crocodile Dundee where he's like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. Well, it's kind of like that except for ships. So it's like, that's not a ship. This is a ship. This is fucking huge. Imagine the Titanic, except bigger and more priority
0: it's a fucking busted ass ship too And
1: it is busted it's fu- it looks like a ghost ship not gonna lie it looks
2: wait so it is the titanic then if it's a ghost ship uh-huh,
1: yeah. uh-huh you did you got me it's like a ghost ship it's like it almost looks a band like all the the masts are torn and shit like that and um, it looks pretty raggedy like it's been pretty it's been through war
0: It's the Flying Dutchman, and don't tell me if that actually shows up later.
1: I'm not going to say anything about that. Yeah, so next thing you know, here comes the doors busted open. And here you see this big old guy, huge guy, and uh, he's just being propped up by a gin. He's like, this is Don Krieg. He needs food and water. Please help. Please help my captain and Don Tree's like, oh, I need food. Give me some food please I'm dying ah. And he's like all kind of dramatic and stuff like that and everyone's like, Yo man, you know who the hell this guy is? This guy's a pirate. In fact he's a piece of shit pirate too, kind of an asshole. Well, I'm not going to serve you. Like That'd be like asking for death. We all know that you're just going to betray us or whatever. So get on out of here, Don Krieg. He's like, but I need help. And Gens like, please, please, my captain needs help. Sanji, who's always compassionate and just pretty much my purpose is to feed everybody. Doesn't matter where you're from or anything like that. So he brings out his bowl of rice and gives it to Don Krieg. Everyone's in shock and they're like, oh my god, you really fed this man? Sanji's like, yeah, I don't give a shit where he's from or what he did or who the hell he is. He's a person who's hungry and I'm a chef and I'm a feed him. Very noble of uh, our character Sanji. You see, Krieg eating. You see, Krieg kind of build himself back up, like he's just like gained all this energy almost instantaneously. Kind of amazing. And they're telling stories about Krieg and how he was like, oh, he's gonna conquer everything by any means necessary, and he and he do such dastardly things as fly marine flags to attack ports and white flags, which is the sign for uh, surrender in order to board other vessels on the seas. And as they're all talking, and they're trying to tell Sanji, like, yo, man, he's just going to betray us. Next thing you know, Krieg attacks Sanji. And it's like, man, what the hell? Like, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Like, you just bite the hand that feeds you? Like, come on, man.
0: I don't give a fuck. He's Don Krieg. I'm alive now.
1: Don Krieg.
0: They already said beforehand, he's just going to... Take every advantage that he can, and clearly he does.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, that's Krieg for you. Kind of a a dick. Begin's like, Captain, you can't do that. You promised not to attack the ship. Krieg's like, uh, uh. uh." Hey, go fucking yourself. I'm in the Commodore now, and I'm back to full health. Yeah.
0: Did he turn into our friend Stefan?
1: Nah, man. He's like kind of... He's kind of... I don't know. What's an asshole-ish like action star? Because I'm thinking like Sylvester Stallone.
0: Dolph Lundgren and Rocky IV.
1: Okay, yeah. Imagine he's like... Yeah, basically imagine he's like Dolph Lundgren because he got the blonde hair. creed has got grayish hair, I think.
2: He doesn't have grayish blue hair, but never mind.
1: Grayish blue hair, whatever. He reminds me a lot of Dolph Lundgren. So, yeah, he's got that kind of like, Hey, I'm going to take over now. And kind of just like, I'm the boss now. And so all this shit's going down and shit like that. And he's like, I'm going to take over the ship now. This Barati, it's mine. You're now taking orders from me. We flash back to outside, and Stryos are like discussing about what's happening outside. Because at this point, Nami... It's taken off with uh, the merry-go, so it's like, what the hell? Where's our ship? And you got the, our guys, uh, Tommy and Yosaku. Is that his name? Yasuko.
0: Johnny. Johnny. Also, your Johnny
1: and skipping, think you're skipping into a
0: the next episode a little.
1: Oh really? Okay. Well, anyways,
0: kind of blending together.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it all blends together. It's fine, whatever. Okay, you know what? Let me. Yeah, they see uh... Krieg's ship just kind of seemed pretty deserted, and uh... like, okay, what the hell's up with this guy? Um. Okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. And Krieg says, "Like, eh, 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 I'm a variety. and you know what? I'm gonna force y'all to cook for my starving crew." Sanji's like, fuck it. I'll make it for them for free. And he starts making all these meals and shit like that. he's just like, bam, 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 bam. know, like an assembly line. And Sanji's like just putting them out there, man. He's going as fast as he can. Sanji's like, I don't give a shit. They're hungry. I'm going to feed them. They need food. You got supply for your people. Paddy, one of the chefs, just fucking punches him out of nowhere. Sucker punches him. He's like, you know what? I don't believe you, Sanji. You you can believe whatever you want. You can do whatever the hell you want. But you know what? We're not letting some no-good pirates take over this goddamn boat. Ever. And he whips out his cannon and starts blasting on Creed. And he literally whips out a cannon. It's, It's not like some kind of double entendre. It's, uh... He pulls it out and starts blasting. Kind of reminds me of, uh... Was it uh, Danny DeVito? And I stopped blasting. And yeah, that's literally what the hell happened. Except it was one and blew the motherfucker out the door. Creek went dying. He's like,
2: for context here to make sure that we do it justice. This isn't like just any canon either. Not to interrupt too much, but Patty reaches into what looks like a supply closet, and he's kind of also like. Talking about, like, you know, we have all sorts of unruly sorts that come to our restaurant sometimes. We're prepared to deal with anything. And this cannon that he mounts on his arm is shaped like a giant lobster. Just to enforce that we work at a restaurant. So, <laughs> please continue. Yeah.
1: Patty's like, we ain't we ain't fucking around, man. We, we're, we're serious. Turns out it didn't do anything. Krieg is just, like... Besides being, like, full of muscle, this man is like, hey, I got some badass armor. it has got some guns and near impenetrable enough itself. For some reason, he also has a diamond-encrusted gauntlet. Like, for added power, like, as if he didn't have enough, here comes out the head chef, and he's walking out, and he's, like, gives his big old bag, and he's like, here, here's 100 meals. I get the hell out of here. Everybody's in shock. Especially Don Krieg the most. He's like, oh, you're Redfoot Ziff." You get this kind of side eye from all the chefs. Sanji and the rest of the pirate, uh, the Hat crew. And he faces back onto um, the head chef, into his eyes. And to be continued. That's the end of episode 22. So what y'all's thoughts on that? It's pretty... Pretty wild, right?
0: They shouldn't have fed him.
1: Yeah. In theory, they shouldn't have.
0: I think they definitely should have fed him.
1: Right, right.
0: Okay, so I'm saying that to kind of be like a joking asshole, but I do like with Assange's ideology on this point. Mm -hmm. People are starving. We have the capability of helping people. We should help these people. Whether or not they're going to go on and do good or bad, they are
2: i get that's like the hip check though it's like are you gonna focus on like would you feed hitler if he was starving or are you focusing on there's a starving person so i don't know damn. it's the catch 22 as it was damn
1: well what a time <laughs> no that's a terrible <laughs> that's <kind>
2: of
1: <laughs> yeah but but still it's just Pretty uh pretty meaningful.
2: Different aspects of looking at humanity, I guess. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a fun episode. I mean, more stuff happens and obviously hints into the fact that we're gonna learn like what Zeph's story is, because he's clearly not just like a crotchety old cook.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so so that's pretty much episode twenty two. It's uh definitely action packed and it's uh the start of of something Mm -hmm. real serious. Real big problems on the Baratier. Anyways, then we go over to episode 23. Tarman Brian.
0: Oh, hey. That's me. Yeah, so episode 23. <laughs> Protect Baratier. Ugh, French. The Great Pirate Redfoot Zeph. Picking up where the last episode left off. Zef calls out Don Krieg saying, yeah, you are beaten out on the Grand Line, weren't you, you fucking little bitch? And Krieg is just kind of pouting at that. And the rest of the crew is just like, what the fuck? He was beaten out on the Grand Line? That's how fucking terrible this place is? And yes, yes, it is that bad, apparently. Krieg is just saying again, you know, you, Redfoot Zef. And he gives a primer and backstory on... Zeph and how he used to be this amazing pirate captain and cook that terrorized seas with his great kicks, which you can kind of see in the last few episodes where he's just like kicking the shit out of Luffy. So Krieg says that the only thing that kept him from succeeding out on the grand line was a lack of information. If he had more information, clearly he would have succeeded. So what he wants is Zeff's logbook.
2: I just read the One Piece wiki.
0: I don't think it occurred to him to use Google, but you aren't wrong, necessarily. So he decides he's gonna take Zeph's logbook from, you know, Zeph's travels in the Grand Line. That way, Krieg has a bit more information so he can at least know a little bit of what he's going up against. At that point, Luffy decides to pull his Luffy shit and he's just saying, hey, you, stop that. I'm gonna be King of the Pirates. You leave him alone. Who else but fucking Luffy would go around saying shit like that to pretty much like the ruler of the East Blue? Yeah. Krieg's like, you're going to be King of the Pirates? Fuck, we were wiped out in a single week, which is very surprising to me because I not remember it being like that fucking short of a trip to the Grand Line, but apparently it is. And, you know, looking at the ship in the last episode, you can definitely see how it got— fucked up in their week on the Grand Line when they had, like, what, 50 ships and came back with, like, one yeah, it was, that they know of? it was, like,
1: 50 or 500 or something like that. Five times 10 to something. I don't fucking know.
0: Yeah, probably 50, maybe not 500. Yeah. Craig's, like, looking at Luffy and the others. He's like, what are you going to do with those three people? And Luffy's like, no, we've we've got Sanji, too he just keeps counting Sanji as a member of the crew already to the cook's annoyance. So Krieg gives everyone a choice, like, okay, you can run the fuck away, or you can die. One way or another, I'm going to take this ship and that dude's logbook. So Gein apologizes to Sanji again, and Zeph says, hey, none of that. You didn't know what was going to happen, you know, stuff like that. The rest of the cooks, however... Continue to blame Sanji in that moment, and Zeph says, "None of you know what it's like to be on the brink of starvation. Sanji does, which is why he goes around feeding everyone. You get a little hint from that of Sanji's backstory, which I'm assuming <laughs> will be explored you later know. Yeah. I have some hints. Mostly because I've been playing Jump Force recently.
2: all. No, you fucked up.
0: Yeah, no. There's just a lot of things I've just decided. You know what? I'm not going to look into this. I'm just going to keep going around very fucking confused. And let me tell you, I am very fucking confused. The cooks decide to stay and fight, and Sanji says it's his duty to feed the hungry. It's his mission in life. But now that the Creek Pirates have ate, he can... Whoop that ass without any guilty conscience. So Sanji's just ready to go and be the shit out of these hundred dudes on that other ship. And the cooks have like a dozen. Yeah, something like that. Keen is really fucked up from his experience out in the Grand Line. And he seems to continue to have his massive existential crisis that he had in the last few episodes. He's going around all doom and gloom. He is very terrified of what's to come, or what has already happened, maybe both at the same time. Who knows? So Gein reveals that it was one man, one single man, that defeated the 50-ship fleet of the Creek pirates. And he talks about that man, a man with eyes like a hawk. And that is when Zoro perks the fuck up. And everyone else around is like, hawk, 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 like a little echo chamber. And I think it's Zeph that says, that can only be one man, Hawkeye Mihawk. So Luffy is just really fucking pumped about all this and shit, Zoro is too, honestly. And Sanji says, you guys are all a bunch of fucking idiots. This is stupid. Don Krieg gets back to the rest of his remaining crew, gives them all their meals, and they just eat it and instantly recover because for whatever reason, food in this anime just immediately... Heals everyone, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Just like when uh, Yosaku had scurvy and they just gave him limes and he perked up before collapsing again.
1: Yeah. Luckily they didn't give him corona.
0: Sometimes it just be like that. Seeing all that, Krieg is like, cool, now we can go back to the Grand Line and we're just gonna take over everything. And one of his men comes up and is like, uh, sir, is that a good idea? And just gets shot immediately because... Why would you do that, I guess? And Krieg goes around saying, any other objections? No one speaks up. Creek calls for his men to attack the bratier, but before they even come close, their ghostly galleon is cut to pieces. Again, <laughs> further. Uh, Sucks for them. Just no breaks for that ship. Well, I mean, I guess there's several breaks on the ship now. Driftwood, bunch of driftwood. So Zeph calls for the anchor to be raised so that the restaurant doesn't sink. There's definitely physics involved in this, but I'm not a physicist, and I'm assuming because they're so close to the ship, one of them would just like capsizing would sink the rest of the ships. I feel like that's something that happened in Pirates of the Caribbean, but at the same time, I don't know if that's Like one accurate. ship
1: sinking and then the other? Or...
0: Yeah, like so I think it has to do with well, like no, this... the pressure of the this force. Like the pressure. Go that
2: ahead. cuts the ship wasn't from underneath them it was from the outside i mean there was a shockwave, but like it goes out and like the barati rocks back and forth and you see everything else kind of go wild but I don't, I don't think that would take the the barati under but maybe we can just assume that because zef is like former pirate man he equipped his ocean restaurant with i mean well they do say draw anchor at one point so things don't go crazy so i don't know
0: so Zoro, seeing all this is happening is like shit shit Where's Nami? Where's Johnny and Yosaku? So he leads Luffy and Usopp outside to try to look for them. And that's when Luffy, looking out on the water, sees Yosaku and Johnny floating towards them, and they reveal that Nami not only stole the treasure, which it's Nami, of course she would. She took the fucking ship with her.
1: Damn. That sucks.
0: So Zeph Zoro Krieg all spot, one man sailing closer. On a very small boat. Hawkeye Mihawk has arrived. And that is the end of episode 23. My
1: man, Hawkeye Mihawk is coming in.
0: Any thoughts?
1: This guy is... Put it plainly, this guy fucks. This guy is... Gnarly, bro. Top shit. Top tier shit. Top tier character you're about to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, even just as far as like what happens now, though, I, I think... Like, enforcing what kind of, like, an asshole that Don Creek is. And, like, why did he come all the way out here just to... If only just to steal this old man's, like, logbook and his boat. Which is, like... Zeph more or less, is, like, clearly sworn off pirate... Well, not sworn off piracy. But Zeph is just like, look, man. I'm retired. I'm just trying to cook and shit. But, nah. He comes all the way out here just to steal this old man's book. And he's like, I, I've only lacked information. It's just like, what? Okay, but you also get, like, the enforcement that, like, regardless of what's going to happen in the next episode, that, like, Krieg is definitely an asshole. He just straight up capped his crewmate. I mean, yeah, it's his underling, but at the same time, like, imagine you're, like, starving, you make it out of the Grand Line, and you finally get fed, only to have this realization that, like, wait, we're trying to go back there, and you, like, raise a very valid descent, and then you just, like, get blapped. That sucks. Do be like that. But that's Don Krieg, I guess.
0: He didn't go there for the logbook though, right? He just showed up to take the ship and then noticed it was Zeph.
2: Uh, well, maybe. I guess that's true. Because, I mean, he just needed a better ship, so it make sense. But maybe he also came there for the food aspect as well. There were reasons he came there regardless. It's probably those latter versus just the book. But when he found out Zeph was there, obviously now he's like, oh, I'm taking that book too. You, you can help me.
0: All right, well, moving on to the next one. Take it away.
2: I've been waiting for this all night. This is episode 24 as it's translated. I think it literally is just Hawkeye's Mihawk and then Swordsman Zoro falls into the sea. So as was stated for the last episode, right when things seemed like they're about to come to a normal climax uh, out of nowhere, Don Krieg's big ass boat just gets cut into like who the fuck cares? Like they just like took a pair of scissors to it and it's like, oh shit, what's this? After a while, I think from his point of view, Don Krieg is like, oh shit, he followed us here. But then from Luffy and Zoro's point of view, because they're out on the deck of the Barati and while Mihawk is kind of slowly starting to roll up, they are also kind of watching the Mary sail away with Nami on it because that's what Johnny and Yosaku have like. Divvy it out to them. And Luffy's trying to decide. Well what do I do? Do I. Do we all just chase them. And leave this conflict here. Because he obviously wants to take Sanji with him, And he's like invested in what's going on here. But at the same time. He doesn't want to lose his ship either. We'll obviously get back to Nami. But. He also knows that. This man. This. This man with the giant sword. Is who. Zoro has happened to be looking for. And he can tell that Zoro's acting a little more. Excited and. uh, Anxious. Than normal. Because it's like. Oh it's this guy. Nami's stealing the Mary. So was like, nah, I'm gonna stay here, but Luffy is here as well. And they're starting to argue a little bit too. It's like, well, do we want her as the navigator still? And he's like, fuck it, we'll figure this out later. But yes, yeah, so right then, that is when like Mihawk comes on the scene. Not even just like rolls up out of nowhere. He's just kind of cruising. It is this man who it looks like he could literally be straight out of like Pirates of the Caribbean. He's got a big ass hat with like a feather in the brim. He's got a long old trench coat sort of that he wears, but it's a little, it's not like a beat up trench coat either. It's definitely more like, uh, he's like a clean Jack Sparrow kind of, in a sense, less shaggy hair too. But he's got the whole boost. He's got the whole getup. He's definitely like more of a like traditional, like older school pirate design that he's got to him. And this motherfucker rides around sitting in a chair with candles that are laid around a coffin that's the size of maybe like a dingy tugboat and he's just coasting and... I think, I forget if it's Don Krieg or one of the crewmates that asks him this. But he just rolls up and he's just like, oh, why'd you follow us here? You already blew us up in the grind line. He's like, and he this is what starts to hammer in a very important point that I'll touch back on in a minute. I'll talk more about the episode. But Mihawk is just like, I didn't have anything else to do. I was bored. And then it's just like, God fucking damn it. So he rolls up and then... Zoro's like no I'm gonna go do this and Luffy's like alright go see what's up and he jumps in across the broken up parts of uh, whatever the hell uh, Donkrieg's ship I forget if his ship has a name I don't remember if they gave it a name actually Uh, but yeah he jumps over there because um, even Zeph and some of the cooks have come outside because they're like, oh Ooh. shit, this is like all like not only Don Krieg is here, but now this like actual powerful man is here. Like what why why whoever called out of work today is probably having a real good time. But um so he, he jumps over there because he knows that he has to he has to fight this guy. He's like, nah, this is my this is my apex, this is why I fight. Like I, I have to become the strongest swordsman, which means I have to surpass this guy. So he gets out there, he actually starts talking to Mihawk, which is like you can tell me. Mihawk definitely has a disdain for the Dong Creek Pirates. It's unclear as to what Mihawk's motivations are, not that he even needs any. Like, the fact that he's established how strong he is, but he's very dismissive of them and, like, how he answered, like, oh, I'm just here because I'm bored. But at the same time... Zoro starts talking to him, and he's like, huh, who are you? He goes on, and they have a conversation. And Zoro's like, I want to challenge you. And he gives his little spiel about how he wants to be the greatest swordsman. And Mihawk talks down to him a little bit. I think he says something like he doesn't want to waste his energy like hunting down rabbits. So he's going to humor Zoro. What he does is he gets out on a big plank of the boat, uh, of Don Creek's boat that's like floating there. And Zoro gets up, and he starts to get ready to fight him. But he has, he has a cross on his neck. I don't know if that's like weird religious theming with like the candles and the coffin or maybe he's just a big weirdo. But um, regardless, I think he's more like goth. I don't know. But either way, he has has like a chain neck, like a necklace with a cross on it. he pulls the cross off and out of the cross, he pulls a tiny pocket knife. And then Sia says, all right, if you can hit me even once or get close to it or break through my defenses with me using this knife, then we'll go from there. So Zoro's like, wait, what the fuck? He goes at him and he starts to fight. And Everyone in the crowd is basically like, oh shit, Zoro's about to go at it with like the greatest swordsman. Cause people still know who Zoro is in East Blue. Cause it's like, oh, he's pirate hunter Zoro. Like people, people will acknowledge him as that for like quite a while. I think until we get to the grand line, like, it's just like some people still know his name. I mean, like, obviously people will know him once like Luffy starts to make a name for himself, but people there think Zoro is big, but that's like a micro level. But like, People know who Mihawk is if you sail the ocean long enough. He's the strongest swordsman, so there you go. But yeah, so Zoro and Mihawk stare each other down, and then Zoro goes in internet, and he tries some of his different attacks, like his specialties he's done to knock enemies out before, and absolutely nothing. Mihawk completely... Pierces his defenses, he dodges pretty much all of his attacks, and or at least blocks them. And he's just he's super chilling. He's he's totally just like taking full advantage of the fight. Thing to note before the fight even started, I think one of Krieg's crewmen shot at Mihawk, and instead of dodging it, he points his swords at the bullets, or his sword at the bullets, and he just gives like his sword a tiny flick and totally dodges the bullets like out of his way. So it's like this this guy doesn't fuck around. Like he knows he knows exactly what he is doing so anyway he's, he's going at it with Zoro and pretty much just like humoring him and letting him lay a few hits on the pocket knife but not really doing anything and he pretty much just one-ups him when Zoro lays another hard attack on him and ends up like stabbing the knife into his side and Zoro's like god fucking damn it is the gap really this big am I this far behind kind of a thing and it's like he's having his moment of like this is how hard I need to train still like maybe not being like self-defeatist but he's definitely realizing, like, oh no, this is this is a power gap. Whereas, like, so far we've had some like the villains we've seen so far, like Buggy's a bit more of an enigma. But like, like Kuro in the last arc, or even like I guess technically you can even say like Alvita or or uh, the Axan Morgan guy in like the earlier episodes. Like they they're enemies that have strength at their reserves and people they control, but they're still. It doesn't seem insane that, like, Luffy overcame these foes, right? Versus... No, this this is a point where we finally have a character who it's like, no, this guy's really strong. Like, this guy is just actually big strong. And it's, it's not, like, awkward power creep. It's just like, oh, okay, here's Luffy. Here's Don Krieg. They'll probably have some kind of a showdown. But then there's just this mountain of a person who comes in. It's just like, no one can do anything. Mihawk pierces Zoro with the pocket knife. But then... He sees Zoro just stand there and, like, take the knife. And he's like, what are you doing? Why aren't you stepping back? He says, if I take a step back physically, it's just going to mean that everything I've worked for for this point, all the oaths I've made to those who aren't here, like, all the promises I've set out, it would just mean everything is just going to be taking a step back anyway. And death would just be better than that. And then Mihawk is actually struck by those words and says, huh, okay. And he's like, acknowledges Zoro's will. And then he's like, all right. You want to play this game seriously? Let's do this. And so he jumps back and puts the pocket knife away and takes out his massive sword, which I forget the name of it, but it looks cool as heck. It just looks like a giant slab of like curved black iron and it, it, it looks really rad. And so he pulls it off his back. He's like, all right, come at me with everything you got one to one and with like this one attack. We'll finish it right now. Yeah. Um. So he comes at him with this giant like killer sword, and then Zoro gives him his strongest attack he's got. But I think it's a- oh okay, I have notes right here. It's actually I think just called Yoru, which I think means knight, or it's like a synonym for knight if I'm remembering that correctly. So yeah, he he goes in, and it, even for side pieces of lore, there is there are like different grades of like top tier swords in the world and Mihawk has like one of the highest grade like great swords in existence where it's like Zoro's sword that he got from Kuina or Kuina's dad that is also a different grade of great sword but Mihawk's is higher so when he clashes with Zoro his other two swords break but the sword from Kuina's dad does not break because it is also a great sword but it is just of a slightly lesser grade yeah so Zoro gets he loses this clash of i guess will as you could say but as he's getting cut and bleeds instead of just standing there and having his swords broken and losing and realizing that like damn i got messed up he stands up and turns around and faces me and he's like And Mihawk almost seems confused. And he's like, what? And he's just like, he said it'd be unbecoming of a swordsman to be so cowardly as to die being stabbed in the back. And Mihawk is like, oh, I like this guy. And so he just comes at him and he slashes him out. But he leaves him with a strand of life because I think he acknowledges that Zoro's not where he wants to be, but he is laying it all on the line. And he kicks him into the ocean after he gives him a big slash. But then Luffy and the boys come pick him up soon but Zoro is also laying in a boat and gives off a vow that he is not going to lose anymore he's going to become the strongest swordsman because that's who the pirate king is going to need and even when Luffy rolls up and is going to rescue Zoro he like talks to Mihawk and he's like who are you he's like oh I'm Luffy I'm gonna be the pirate king and he's just like huh even you will have to surpass me too it's a hard road out there and they have this like weird exchange where I think Mihawk is probably looking for fights the same way as Zoro is looking for a way to test his strength so you can kind of acknowledge the wills of both him and Luffy and the rest and like can see the division between them and Don Krieg kind of being dick but um anyway after this kind of really fun exchange wait I'm reading these notes right here so Don Krieg starts to attack Mihawk, but Mihawk kind of just like dips out of there. As it's showing, Luffy and the boys get Zoro on the boat, and then uh, he's like, alright, you know what? You guys go after uh, Usopp and Johnny and Yosaku. You guys go after Nami, and then Luffy's gonna stay behind and try and repay his debt. So, Freak starts to attack Luffy, and then Luffy is like, alright, Zeph, I don't want to be your busboy forever, so... If I can get these guys to go away, will you consider our debt repaid? And he's like, yep, well, fuck it. Sure. And then to be continued. Damn. So there you go. What'd you guys think? Damn.
1: What a, what a, what an episode. Holy cow. I forgot this is the episode where, where Mihawk and uh, Zoro start fighting. I thought it was the next one. But it's still, anyways, it's a phenomenal Nominal episode. Lots of good plot points for now and further on. But it's great.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's a lot. Like, that is saying the absolute least about what happens in the episode. Just uh, a lot of things happen. You see the flashbacks with Queena as Zoro's having this fight, where he's making the promise and... Queen's funeral stuff like that. Also, something that happened at the very beginning of the episode. When Johnny and Osaka are talking about how Nami stole the ship, they mentioned that Nami's focused on a bounty poster for Arlong who is I think they said 20 million as his bounty. But yeah, she seems yeah, something like that. She seems highly focused oh, on his bounty poster in particular.
1: Is it meaningful? Is it not? Who's to know? Who's to say?
0: Who's to say? I I'm aware of what happens, but uh I'm leaning towards yeah. <laughs> Pretending that I don't know. Uh
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. That was uh Killer episode, I have to admit.
0: Those are some very full episodes. Very full episodes.
1: Yeah, lots of content.
2: Yeah. I think for me too, like my whole my whole main point that I was trying to make was that uh It definitely kind of gives you like a bigger scope of the world like just what is the grand line that it's just like if this like sure this guy holds the title of greatest swordsman in the world so it's like that's a very specific person for them to run into to ruin their trip but it's like what does that mean for luffy when he finally goes there like you kind of never know what you might meet or who you might meet it enforces that kind of like it's a power gap that is I think, like, acceptable. There's not, like, just some crazy dragon that flies out of the sky. (laughs) That'll happen much later. But there's actually... you know, it's just, like, this guy's just the strongest swordsman, and this is what it means, like, because you already had the establishment of, again, like, Don Krieg, he's, like, huge asshole. People are, like, right to be afraid of him in the East Blue. You know, he's, like, a terrible person. And, you know, you see the way he treats his crew and the way he, like, treats Sanjay after trying to, like, show some humanitarian effort to, to him. And then it's just, like, nah, I still want to take over this ship. And, oh, fuck, his here. I'm going to take his book, too. Fuck you guys. And it's, like, who, who knows? Who's to say? Whereas, like, obviously, Mihawk is... Leagues beyond him in terms of strength, but you also, I think, get a very vague sense of while Mihawk is clearly, you know, wanting to defend himself and will take a challenge, and he's like not going to back down because he is a strong swordsman. It does make you wonder if who provoked who, or, like, did Mihawk just find him and tear him up, or was Don Krieg someone who maybe spotted Mihawk, and then was he, like, the asshole? Like, who swung first, basically, is what I'm saying. Seeing both these characters now after this episode, I don't know if it's, like, a crazy theory to think that, like, maybe, just maybe, Don Krieg might have swung first. So there you go. But um there's that, and also for me, too, like, special note. So when, we've touched on it before in some of our intro episodes, but when... One Piece used to circulate on, like, the Four Kids dub, like, years ago. Yeah, yeah, haha, Four Kids dub. But that's how I got exposed to it, so you can't say it didn't do its job. This uh, this arc specifically was one of the few arcs that, like, I have, like, really strong memories of. I definitely remember everything with the Barati, but I I very vividly remember this episode specifically. So this was definitely a thing where I remember it was like, oh man, I don't know what's going on, but all this cool shit's going on. And that guy's got a big sword and he just cut that boat in half. So like, there's some cool stuff in one piece. And looking back and seeing how early on this is, probably like putting it lightly, but this episode definitely made an impact.
0: Yeah. Piggybacking off of that, most of the earlier episodes, besides this and the four kids dub, this is one that I remember sort of the most of from the four kids dub. It really just sticks in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is it for this episode of the reluctant cruise. Steve got anything to plug
1: my Twitter at Steve Horniak, uh, capital S and Steve and capital H and Um, I also want to give a, a shout out or a kind of just uh, more so a mention than a shout out, I guess, to all the, uh, the local people, especially on the West Coast, which is where most of us are all from. But this current time in 2020, the, the hell of a year, um, we are currently going through some wildfires and stuff like that. And so I know back up in my home, uh, which is around Seattle area, there's been lots of fires and stuff like that and so for you guys who are listening to this just keep your thoughts and, and meditations and prayers out for those people all up and down the west coast anywhere from san diego to bellingham washington and just keep an eye out for them and think about them hope that they're doing safe these fires are quite huge but i also want to give a quick shout out to i guess the firefighters and all the the rescue people out there that are helping with these fires. So
0: It seems we've had a new record-breaking fire every year for the last three or four years. It's as if something is changing with these climates, but I just, I can't put my finger on it.
1: You mean your thumb? Maybe your
0: green thumb? Climate change is real. Inmate firefighters should be allowed to become full firefighters once they get out. Although I think California just introduced or is trying to introduce a law about that to let that happen. They also use the most inmate firefighters. So that's kind of, you know, a coin flip, I guess, of good and bad. But yeah. Yeah. But at least good for them. That is a positive for that's them. a positive.
2: And as someone who also literally does like project and digital account management for a fire security slash protection company. Yeah, that stuff's important. So I hope everyone is safe. And I hope people who are on the front lines are treated as best as they can be. And if they aren't, then maybe we should change those policies. Definitely.
0: Definitely do. Seguing from that, slash, anything to plug?
2: Uh, I can unplug some of my fans because it's finally cooling down here, um, for better or worse. But uh, if you would like to follow more of my nonsense, I have a Twitter. It is at roblink. Um, I also stream video games a couple times a week. Uh, I usually post my schedule there. But if you use the old Twitch, it is twitch.tv slash roblink. And
0: that is about it. You can find the show on Twitter with the handle at Reluctant Cruise. You can email us at reluctantcruise at gmail.com. Our show's theme song, which this is the first time we're recording since we actually got it, made and commissioned, is by our friend, Zach Gaston, he is on most social medias with the handle at all Bass, all bass isn't in the instrument. The art literally got today, which is why I'm hoping to beat this 8-year-old man to publication by just working on that right now after we finish recording, is done by an artist on Twitter. Their handle is at Kagura underscore Oni, so that's at K A. G-U-R-A underscore O-N-I. I I realize that at the earliest, people probably won't hear this until mid-November, but today is September 10th, as we're recording, 2020. So that is Suicide Prevention Day, Suicide Awareness Day. Some numbers. The national... These are numbers if you're in the United States... I'm going to assume that's where most people are listening from. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800 273 8255. And then the Trevor Project, which is a suicide hotline and organization for LGBTQ youth, is 866 488 7386. And yeah. Especially given how this year has gone, it is important to take care of your mental health. Yes, definitely.
2: Yeah, I agree with all that. And yes, thank you to uh, Kagura and also Zach for your contributions to the show. We very much appreciate them.
1: Yes, thank you for all our people who have all our artists, such as Zach and our main drawing artists. So thank you.
0: Also, I blanked on this a bit. You can find me at most places with the handle at El Tupacabra. That's E-L-T-U-B-A-C-A-B-R-A. That's it for the show. Hope you had a good time. Hope you continue to have a good time. Have fun on that cruise.